Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. To Brave the Wild, with me, your host, Paladino Joey. Brave the Wild is available on the sportstuff.com, iTunes, Stitcher, and Double Twist, which is an Android device or Android application. Pardon me. Stitcher is for everything, iTunes for Apple. Thank you so much for listening. God bless you. And well, here we go. Minnesota Wild, well, they've been playing better. Uh, still not winning too many games. They finally won one. Uh, they finally won two in a row here, though. One unexpected. Uh, you get the idea. They they went 500, which I did predict. Just a couple little, just a little flip flop mixed in there, and some pretty dramatic hockey along the way. It's actually, to be honest, they played pretty well in these past four games. But ultimately, it's going to be kind of a similar show to last week again. It's almost like State of the Wild Part Part X. I mean, it could be a million of them. I mean, this might be the third or fourth one now already. <laughs> you could say uh, without overdoing it per se. You, you got a couple trades to talk about. Uh, I'm going to get into the Mike Yo Q&A a bit that took place last week. You know, it happened that day I published the show. Isn't that frustrating? It happened in the afternoon. I should have waited another day. It would have been a lot fresher, but I'll comment a bit on it. I would have uh, commented more if it was more fresh at the time. But uh, I guess I'll open up with that a bit. And then I'll be very brief about the the games, per se. Uh, kind of this and that. You get the idea. So let's get going. And I'll talk about the trades after this. Um... Ultimately, Mike was asked about if he has he watched any games. He's like, no, I tuned in a little bit, but not much. He was really more interested just to see what the systems look like, tune in a little bit, stuff like that. Uh, you want to look into, uh, did he have a feeling the uh, dismissal was coming? Uh, he was saying mostly that he knew it was a possibility. You think you're prepared for it, but I would, I wouldn't, I would say that I wasn't. So basically it hit Mike a lot harder than uh, he thought. That's kind of like the... Uh, the uh, gist of that, ultimately. Um, the Adam Oates thing, though, that's kind of the, the main theme here of the whole the whole drama that's taken place with the Wild the past couple of years. Ultimately, the Adam Oates is kind of like the, uh, the, the the crest of it. This is kind of like when you knew Mike Gill was pretty much dead meat, was when the players were kind of sneaking behind his back, bringing in Adam Oates. Ultimately, in the offseason, you'd think it isn't too bad, ultimately, but when it's coaching schemes... 
Yeah, that's not good. That's not a good sign. Um, you'd think we're just working with a guy. Like, say, Timberwolves' Andrew Wiggins working with Kobe Bryant. Or Kobe Bryant, years ago, working with Hakeem Olajuwon. That's different than maybe uh, going working with, like, Phil Jackson or something on the triangle when your offense is like a pick and roll, you know, in the NBA. You know, stuff like that. You get the idea. Or in hockey, you know, like, just the power play in, in this case. He's working with a completely different scheme with a former coach and obviously a Hall of Fame player in Adam Oates that Lou Nanny apparently tried to really tried to get years ago, but ultimately the owner was like, no, that's okay. <laughs> it's kind of funny <laughs> because of the amount of money it would cost and such. Uh, you know, that's kind of like a, a semi-North Stars memory. You could say, I'd, I'd like to bring that bit back. That would be nice. Um, love when new, uh, when Lou Nanny talks. He, he would be an unbelievable guest on this show. He'd be like the ultimate guest, wouldn't he? Uh, these are, of course, from Michael Russo and the Star Tribune overall. Um, and others, but it's mostly Michael Russo. Uh, he was saying uh, Adam Oates was hired before the season by several players as a personal coach. Two of the players were Zach Creasy and Ryan Suter. When when you say things never felt right, because that's the other thing, it's just, like you was saying, things just never felt right. Even when we were playing some of our best hockey early in the year, uh, he said, did this start with uh, the Adam Oates stuff? And then Mike Yo quickly says, yeah. <laughs> wow, can you imagine that? It started with the Adam Oates thing, and it makes sense. He says, yeah, I thought we dealt with it. We talked with Zach, we had, and we had no issues with it after that. I talked with some players, whether it's something like that, whether it's the trade rumors, whatever it is, when there's things that might cause a little unrest, they kind of sit there and they hang out. When things are going well, they're forgotten and pushed aside. But when things don't go well, they often, quite often come back. Just like when you're... Just like a married couple, maybe you have issues, you know, just like anything, working relationships, maybe things are going all right, and now things are starting to struggle again, and you're like, you know, you're still the same asshole that did this, and that's that, and that, you know what I mean, and you're still the same lazy bum that didn't do this, and never does this, I'm sick and tired, you know, stuff like that tends to come up, um, and it happens in everyday life, it sucks, it, it sucks, it's reality, uh, but then you get the real interesting one, that, uh, See, we all knew about the Adam Oates situation coming in the offseason and all that, and it kind of annoyed Mr. Um, Mike Yo and such. And he was saying, ultimately, about did he, did he uh, defer to the to the veterans. He basically feels that, or well, most of us feel he did. And then Mike Yo saying, no, I didn't, and blah, blah, blah. I didn't defer to them, and it's all about certain players, but we didn't have like a, he mentioned several times he didn't have a player that could score 100 points in a season, so it's like you have to work together, that type of thing, and it had to be more equal and such, though I think a lot of us in the viewing audience would say that Mike Yo did defer to uh, the young, uh, the uh, the veterans more. You didn't see scratches to Pominville or Vanek or anything. You didn't see demotion to Pominville until the last week of Mike Yo's run with the Wild. You saw young guys get demoted every day, all the time. You saw guys get demoted all the time to the fourth line, third line, scratched. You, you saw you saw it constantly. Third defensive pairing, whatever it was. Of course, the defense has kind of been pretty much a, pretty much a trend. Uh, it's pretty much been an ongoing trend forever for the while. The uh, certain players have been kind of uh, where they they've kind of been where they've been. They've been mainstays and such. Uh, ultimately. Mike Yo was saying about, well, Russo was asking him, 
Do you think the younger guys eventually resented the older guys because the older players were never benched, scratched, or put on the fourth line? Yep, here we go. And Yo says, I think there was dot, 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 a disconnect. Hmm. <laughs> but this has gone on for a little while between the older guys and the younger guys, and you don't think it's one-sided. I think every team in the league has some issues, and I think we dealt with the things fairly well for the most part, but obviously they became bigger once we started to lose. And it's probably been going on forever because of, um, you know, the mid-season swoons every single season. Uh, Russo asking him to be more specific about the, uh, can he be more specific? And then Yo said, no, I just felt <laughs> almost two groups. There were younger guys and the older guys. It just wasn't a group. It, yeah. yeah. A lot of fragile players on this team. Kind of sounds like the Timberwolves in the early 2000s, ultimately. And they just, they did not fire Flip Saunders. <laughs> God rest his soul now, obviously. But I'm just saying, at the time... The Wolves probably should have made a move earlier um, at the time, but yeah, you get the idea. That's not disrespecting anybody. It has nothing to do with what took place with Flip Saunders like 12 years later, and he ended up being one of the best president of, well, the best president of basketball operations in Timberwolves history. And here we go, uh, Russo addressing the fact that uh, Oates came for a morning skate, came to the morning skate January 12th. Can you imagine that? And this was a huge point of impact. This was the point of impact, I would say, uh, for this train wreck. Um, you had issues. You had problems taking place. You had maybe the engine had some issues on this train. Maybe some of the wheels were starting to get loose. Like something just wasn't right, you know? There was a squeak. There was squeaks here, squeaks there. There's a rattle. wonder what that's all about. That's kind of weird. And then January 12th, the fateful January 12th, when... The Minnesota Wild hosted the Buffalo Sabres, the game that always saved Mike Yo's job. Okay, we've been struggling, things have not been going well, but here's the Buffalo Sabres. Bam, 6-0. to zero. Hell yeah, We now now we're going to get moving. <laughs> you got Devin Dubnik in here, 6-0 game. Devin Dubnik only had to stop like 13 shots because the Wild just dominated the puck the whole game. But then the Wild were down 3 nothing right out of the gate in that case. You think that's a point of impact? Do you think so? Do you think something? Do you think there's something went amiss at that stage? Three nothing to Buffalo Sabers in the Excel Energy Center. Do you think something's wrong? Pardon me for the rattling here. <laughs> it's the train crashing, right? That, that's what that was. Uh, yeah, not good. Uh, Mike Yo simply says I'm not going to even comment on it, but I would say I would not do the same thing. You think? <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. Mm, unbelievable. Uh, Mike Yo continuing. Uh, I'm going to kind of kind of go get general about it now. Kind of talking about how the trades, the trade rumors kind of help damage the psyche of the team and such. Really? Uh, the whole Ryan Johansson thing. The Wild tried to get him away from Columbus, was it? Um, yes, Columbus. They tried to get him away from Columbus. He ended up going to Nashville. Terrific. That's the team we're trying, one of the teams we're trying to catch. And they're in an unbelievable run right now. And we tried to get Mr. Jonathan Drew in as well from Tampa Bay, which, again, neither one of these took place. Obviously, you know, Joe, Joe Hansen. I always think it's Joe Hansen, but it's all over the place. Joe Hansen ended up going to um, Nashville, of course, like we said, and Drew in is still there. Uh, Tampa Bay not willing to come down on the uh, demands and the wild unable, un unwilling and unable, I would say, to make a trade in that situation because we don't have that many draft picks right now. We'll talk about that in, in very shortly here. And, of course, a lot of the young guys would probably get ripped off at this stage. You trade away Michael Granlin, or Mikhail, well, I can't believe I did that, Mikhail Granlin. What are you going to get for him? What are you going to get for Mikhail Granlin? Even though he's been playing better, and, and to be quite fair, everybody's been playing better. 
But yeah, you get the idea. Maybe the divide is gone for the time being. Um, but Yo was saying how that continued to draw more of a divide because it's like we need some type of change. Is it a certain player, a player, another player? And last year it was a goalie, but this time it ended up having to be the coach because something had to, somebody had to go. And well, you know what? I think from what we, from what you read here, from what you hear, regardless if Mike Yo is this horrible coach, or if the players were, or if the players were ultra fragile. It's a combined thing here, and unfortunately, Mike Yo had to go in that situation because you can't fire all the players. The old cliche, you can't fire all the players, so ultimately the coach had to go, and there was just no doubt about it. Um, just zero doubt about it. Um, my uh, Zach Parisi, I'll get to this one real quick, too, because uh, it, what, what the hell's up with that guy, you know? You know, Mr. Grit, Mr. Toughness, Mr. Put the, put the puck on net, Mr. Leader, Mr. Mr. I'll score goals regardless if I have a broken foot, a uh, 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 tear on my, a uh, big cut on my face, whatever it is. I'll keep scoring goals. I'll keep putting the puck on that. I'll keep going to the net. But then th- there's this type of huge divide with the, like, yo, pretty crazy. Um, Michael Russo was asking him, did Parisi's frustrated attitude disappoint you? And basically saying uh, we had he was we had a couple of really good conversations, this and that, and the competitiveness between each other maybe got a little bit, you know, intense at times, but there was never a huge issue. All that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Mike Yo wasn't sure, wasn't sure how to look at the annual midseason slump. This and that. So we better probably continue with this. Uh, a lot of people believe Mike Yo will be a head coach again, and Mike is just waiting to be a coach again. He wants to coach right now. He can't wait for somebody to to hire him as soon as possible. He really loves it so much, and it just it just struck him really hard when he got let go. So. There it is. I feel bad for him, but it's one of those things. There had to be a change. There had to be a change, and ultimately, it'll be for the better for both parties. Mike Hill will hopefully get to a different organization. Uh, he'll be better. He'll learn from his mistakes, just like we all have to at, at every job we do. You learn from some mistakes or learn from weaknesses. Maybe you don't have to make a mistake, but weaknesses, stuff like that, strengths and weaknesses. You build on your strengths and you fix your weaknesses as much as possible. That type of deal. There you go. Mike Yo is on his way somewhere at some point, probably. Um, he's, he's only 42. He's got a nice career ahead of him. So let's look at some of the trades. Well, there are a couple. Most of the minor league here. So ultimately, the Wild acquire Connor Allen from Ottawa and Scott Saburin from Los Angeles. Oh, yeah. The Wild ended up trading away Michael Karanen to... I hope I'm, yeah, Michael Karen and two the Ottawa Senators for Connor Allen, the defenseman, um, ultimately. And Brett Sutter, a guy who the Wild seemed to, or not the Wild, but Mike Yo never seemed to like. I liked him. He, he was productive when he was on the Wild for a short stretch, but Mike Yo never liked him. He was actually brought here to be a potential fourth, fourth or third liner on the Wild and was sent down to Iowa. This was last season. And you never really saw him again. He just kind of sat down there forever. Sutter was a fairly productive player for Capoar, excuse me, Calgary in years past. Not He's nothing special, but he was decent, and Mike Yo just said, screw you, basically. So that's kind of sad. I feel kind of bad about that one. Um, boy, the production level of everybody in this case, not the prettiest thing you ever saw. Brett Sutter only had uh, 14 points in Iowa this year in 57 games. That's not much. Karen was one of the semi-better scorers. He's 26, Sutter 28. 
23 points in 45 games with Iowa. He was one of the one of the upper echelon guys down there, but he's not at the level of Zach Mitchell and stuff. Ooh. And of course, Mr. Jordan Schrader, who I feel bad for as well. I, I think he could be I think he should be an NHL fourth liner. Lots of speed and such, but whatever. It, it happens, I guess. Uh, ultimately Allen. Connor Allen from the system, the system of the, <laughs> yeah, these are both minor league trades officially, the system of the Ottawa Senators has 11 points in 48 games. That's not the worst ever for a defenseman, but it's nothing super special. He's actually from the, uh, the United States of Chicago, Illinois, 76 points overall in 193 a- uh, AHL games, and he's played a couple games at the Rangers and ultimately, yeah, he had seven games at the Rangers and started ultimately with Tampa Bay in years past. So there you go, in 2013. Sa- Sabarin, I keep thinking it's Sauerbrunn, but it's Sau- <laughs> Sabarin <laughs> has five points, just five points in 28 games. So he hasn't played too much this year, kind of in and out of uh, injuries and such. Unfortunately for him, only five points in 28 games, not the most productive thing. He's from Orleans, not New Orleans, but Orleans, Ontario. Mm-hmm. 43 points in 153 AHL contests with Ontario and Manchester. <laughs> Manchester, huh? <laughs> Interesting. Well, there you go. All right. So, minor league trade. Maybe I got a little bit too much into that, didn't I? But, oh, well, at least you get an idea who we're getting, I suppose. Uh, Brodeen has been activated, but still unavailable. Foline. Foline and Brodeen. <laughs> got it like that. Foline back down to the Iowa Wild, where he's one of the better players down there. And, of course, the sixth or seventh defenseman on the wild, ultimately, between him and uh, Mr. Prosser, Nate Prosser, kind of trading that spot back and forth. But now Brodine back up with the wild. Of course, did not play last night, so raising a couple questions. Well, here we go. This is the big one, the big blockbuster, but it's kind of important, per se. Ultimately, the wild have acquired David Jones from the Calgary Flames and Nicky, Nicholas Backstrom. That's right, the same Nicholas Backstrom that was goaltender for the Wild since 2006 came in as a free agent signing, most likely at the time thought of going to the Houston Arrows, which are now the Iowa Wild, of course, the Houston Arrows franchise down there, and then see what happens. You know, he's got a chance to make the NHL roster. You never know, but see what happens. He ends up making the roster as a backup behind Manny, Manuel Fernandez, (laughs) ultimately, and... Manny Fernandez was his inconsistent self, but like a worse version of it. And then Nicholas Backstrom, just, huh, this guy's pretty good. Huh, he just, he's better than, wow, he's really good. Damn. And then he started putting up great numbers, phenomenal goalie for a couple years there. For, And then he had injuries and kind of in and out, in and out, and he kept signing. We, we signed him for a big contract after uh, uh, a couple of good years there. After his first little contract was done, he Signed a pretty big one. And then, of course, the injuries came in, all that good stuff. And then we signed him one more time as a backup for a three-year deal because we were too desperate. <laughs> Ultimately, we uh, Josh Harding, with his issues with uh, with uh, MS and all that, multiple sclerosis. And then, of course, um, well, unable to sign anybody else, unable to get Bernie A from Toronto, or from L.A., L.A. He ended up going to Toronto. And you get the idea there. Nicholas Backstrom, this kind of harkens back to way back before the Wild started, when the Wild had Mike Vernon. Uh, they, they, uh, Doug Reiserl picked up Mike Vernon in the uh, expansion draft and then traded him back to Calgary. He was 38 years old, so it kind of reminds me of this in a way, as funny as that sounds. And plus the fact David Jones there was the guy we got from uh, 
Calgary, wearing a classic uh, Flames jersey because they wear the the retro ones sometimes. The ones from the uh, from uh, the 80s and early 90s. Gotta love those. So classic. The ones with without the black mixed in. Beautiful jerseys. Love them. That's when they were champions. And Stanley Cup finalists and conference finalists, all that stuff. Great team in the 80s were the Calgary Flames. Um, <clears throat> Mike Vernon was a huge part of that team for a long time. It was kind of funny how the Wild had him for a couple of days and then ultimately traded him to the Calgary Flames at age 38 to have one final season there. Nicholas Backstrom, 38 to the Calgary Flames. So there you go. David Jones ultimately, 30, 31 years old, much more productive earlier in his career. 27-goal season with the Colorado Avalanche. 20-goal season with the Avalanche. Some pretty productive numbers. Uh, kind of a second-line guy. And then relegated after some serious some ankle injuries and stuff that have really slowed him down. Relegated now to more of a fourth line, some third line, but mostly fourth line. And more of a 15-20-point type of guy at this stage of his career. Right now he has 15 points, 9 goals, and only 6 assists in 59 games with the Flames. But a pretty productive player in his past. He was a ninth round pick in the draft, which is crazy. That doesn't even exist anymore back in 03. Um, had a pretty productive season all years ago. 45 points at the Avalanche. Not even that long ago in 2010-2011. And even as soon as 2012, pretty productive guy. But injuries just kind of took over, unfortunately, and slowed him down. And that sucks. That's a big shame, ultimately. So I'll try to briefly go over the games here. <laughs> I apologize, kind of long here. So it's just what it is, kind of state of the wild. I got to quit snapping my lips there. Ultimately, the Philadelphia game, they were snake bit. Thursday, February the 25th, snake bit by multiple good scoring chances not going in, ultimately. Oh, oh, and ultimately, the final attempt of the game is what buried the wild and that totally sucked. Um, I can't, I don't know, know how he didn't get one of the uh, stars of the game. And I was afraid that Michael Newworth, Newworth would be the, if Michael Newworth was the goalie, that the wild would be in trouble because Jones, a much more beatable goalie. I figured if, if he's in net and he'd been kind of the main starter for Philly, <clears throat> if he was in net, the wild would probably win the game. But this Newworth guy might help them sneak into the postseason as they continue to get better. They ultimately beat the Wild 3-2. to two. The Wild get no points out of it. And, of course, the final play of the game, a lot of you would think, should have been a goal. Ultimately, it was called no goal. The puck basically was underneath the guy's glove as it slid, and there's no way to see under the guy's glove. It's just, oh well. It didn't. There was no visual evidence that the puck crossed the line, so ultimately it was called no goal. It was a heartbreaker. It was that the final seconds would have tied the game, would not have given the Wild a victory, but it would have minimum given them a point. Of course, the Wild overtime record this year has been absolutely putrid, um, but maybe there would have been a chance to like end that whole run. That would have been terrific. So then you got to play a back-to-back. You go from Philly to Washington, D.C., where, yeah, on, on Friday, February the 26th, where the Wild, well, they came off firing. They looked really good. They looked really good the whole game, and it just slipped away. Holtby was good in net, like he always is. Heartbreaker. Ultimately, even though the Wild started things out very nicely in the game. I should talk about who scored the goals really quick. I thought off here, just to mention it really quick here. Ultimately, the goal scores in the Philly game for the Wild were Thomas Vanek, Mikhail Granlund, or Thomas Vanek and Mikhail Granlund. Vanek assisting uh, well, on, on a Granlund goal. He ultimately had two points in the game. Very cool for for his sake, ultimately Mike Riley netting his fourth assist on the Vanek goal early on. Another power play goal for Thomas Vanek, who's been playing significantly better. And Granlin's been a completely different player under the torch. It's been very cool, ultimately. And you'll hear about another guy who's been unbelievable under the torch. <laughs> and he's the guy that's going to get the uh, 
award for the week, but we'll get to that later. Washington, D.C., things started out poorly in the Philly game, so it's kind of like a reciprocal in this case, where things started out well in the Washington game, but ultimately the Wild were unable to hold on. Unable to hold on. Koivu scoring early on at the end of the first period on a pretty nice pass from Jason Pominville, i got to admit. Pominville just continuing to rack up the points. He's been getting tons of assists, and he's actually been scoring goals as well. you got to love what you're seeing out of uh, Jason Pominville of like Just incredible. Uh, Koivu, though, getting close to the net there, getting his 13th goal of the year. Niederreiter, again, another guy who's been scoring points, who's been scoring goals and been getting assists, but mostly scoring goals. 12th goal of the year for him, 13th goal of the year for Miko Koivu. But ultimately, Ovechkin and Orlov just took over the game with goals in the third period. Fourth, 40th goal of the year for Alex Ovechkin. Once that went in, you kind of had a bad feeling the Wild weren't going to win this one, and ultimately it wasn't meant to be. Holtby was outstanding like he was last week. Heartbreaker, disappointing, and the Wild lose the game, or was it two weeks ago? 3-2 to two in Washington, D.C. There you go. Just a disappointment there. And then things get surprisingly better. The Wild did not look good against Florida earlier this year. They hadn't been playing well against them for a while. The last couple of years, Florida just continued to kick the Wild's butt. And this is a really good Florida team that came into Excel Energy Center. And the Wild win 3-1. to one. Crazy, huh? Not bad. I'll, I'll take it. 3-1 to one victory for the Wild in this game. Eric Halla, another guy. This has just been outstanding in the game. Scoring an unassisted goal, 8th of the season. Forcing a turnover and attacking and scoring his 8th goal of the year. Coyle with his 19th goal of the year early on in that first period. Putting the Wild up one nothing. I'm thinking, wow, we got a chance at this thing. And then Florida ties it up with Aaron Ekblad, 12th goal of the year on the power play. The Wild penalty kill has not been so hot for, for a while now. It's really, the whole special teams of the Wild has been disappointing. But i, I got to say, the power play has been better, I guess. At least we're scoring goals. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, Coyle getting 19, the 19th goal of the year. His uh, career high just continues to become more and more of a career high, ultimately. On a nice feed from Parisi, Coyle just finishing it as the Wild attacking the net in that situation. And then Pominville on the power play. Empty netter, just finishing it off. And hey, you know what? It's an empty netter, but I'm sure Pominville will take it. Eric Halla racking another point. He has been unbelievable, ultimately. Um, Ten points in nine games for Eric Halla of late. Just an incredible player. He's definitely going to at least be an honorable mention for the Mike Madonna Award. Pominville, tenth goal of the season on the power play. Hey, at least at least you, you're able to get it, though. <laughs> at least you're able to get another goal out of it. But... Um, it doesn't take away from what Pominville's been doing. You know how it's, even though it's an empty netter is what I'm trying to say, does not take away with just how well Pominville has been playing. An outstanding, happy night for the Wild. Great goaltending as well throughout the course of the night. Florida just could not get anything going, much to their chagrin. Ultimately, boy, oh boy, was <laughs> Devin Dubnik was sharp. Roberto Luongo, uh, well, he got hit in the game, unfortunately, and El Montoya had to finish things off. As well, uh, Dubnik only faced 18 shots in the game, but he stopped 17 and was very strong throughout the way there. The Wild open up the month of March on Super Tuesday, Why? <laughs> where we beat the uh, Colorado Avalanche 6-3 to in a pretty dramatic game, pretty exciting. Didn't look good early on, did it? <laughs> no, it really didn't. Uh, the Wild getting a penalty right out of the gate, like just seconds into the game. Nino Niederreiter called for tripping. <laughs> called for tripping. And then, like, just like clockwork, the Avalanche score right away. Jerome Ginlaw, of all people, just a couple seconds, about 10 seconds later, Jerome Ginlaw, 19th goal of the year, and again, the leading goal scorer in the history, uh, history of wild opponents. Michael Bodecker just rubbing it in deeper as Colorado was able to acquire him. Mikhail 
Mikhail Brodecker, Bud Bunker, ultimately um, getting the getting his 27th assist of the year. Again, rubbing it in our face, ultimately, is the Wild unable to acquire a player of that magnitude at this stage. He's only 26 and has quite a career ahead of him. So it's like, here we go, the Wild trail Colorado by only two points, but we're just going to get nothing out of it. We're just going to be heartbroken. We're going to lose again and all that good stuff. We're going to get pushed down right when we're starting to catch up. But no, neither Niederreiter and Jason Pominville score goals about a minute apart. Pominville and Niederreiter assisting on each other's goals during the course of this one. Just fantastic. Both nice shots, both wristers, I would call them. Wristers, like almost like a one-timer, but more of a wrister type of shot. Actually, yeah, they were wristers. Pominville was like a, that was like a, just a, it was laser sharp shot. Just perfect shot, aggressive, just fire, rock and fire, basically. I could just imagine uh, Torch telling Pominville, of course, Coach John Tortorelli, Tortorella, Tor- yeah, Tortorelli, I'm getting all over the place because of the other torts, <laughs> Tortorello, <laughs> the other coach, uh, Tortorelli, uh, ultimately telling Pominville to simply rock and fire, he's been a completely different player, so they both trade a goal with each other, Nilo Raider, Pominville playing phenomenal hockey the past couple of days, Eric Halla, this was like a fast break almost in a way, just a beautiful, on the money pass, uh, Scandella just getting the puck to Dumba. Dumba with a very far forward pass to Eric Halla who exploded to the net. Beautiful. Just so much speed and made a really, 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 really nice move on the ever-frustrated <laughs> the ever-frustrated Varlamov. Could not handle it. He could just could not stop it. Third goal for the Wild there and that was the end of Varlamov after that one. Oh, I could just see the frustration on Patrick Waugh's face after this. Ninth goal of the year for Eric Halla. Nine goals for Eric Halla. Unbelievable. And again, ten points in ten points in nine games for Eric Halla. Wow. He's been outstanding for the Wild here. Pardon my... I'm just having fun with the accent there. <laughs> he really has been outstanding. Second period had us Wild fans pretty concerned when the Colorado Avalanche score early and often in the second period. Chris Bygras and Cody McLeod each scoring Bygras's first goal of the season and McLeod with his eighth goal of the season tying things up for the Colorado Avalanche and then the third period Coyle netting a couple goals ultimately his second one was an empty netter as Patrick Waugh is known to do he gets the empty net going pretty early and it ended up making the game look more lopsided than it was Coyle with an unbelievably huge goal early in that third period from Zach Parisi 20th goal of the season. I mean, we're talking about Charlie Coyle with now 21 goals, ultimately, because you add the empty netter. 21 goals on the season. This guy's going to be a 30-goal scorer this year. I mean, I would be absolutely shocked if Charlie Coyle doesn't finish with 30 goals on the season. you got two months to play, or two, maybe a month and a half, or a month and three weeks, whatever it is, to play. Uh, about six weeks or so remaining. You think he's not going to get nine goals in six weeks with the way he's been going? I mean, Charlie Coyle is becoming a outstanding player for this team, and he's the leading goal scorer for the Minnesota Wild. What did I say early in the season, or actually in the preseason, who did I say of all the young guys is the most likely to emerge as the best player out of the group? Charlie Coyle. Well, I'm fi- I finally got something right, didn't I? <laughs> guys like Charlie Coyle and Eric Holla may end up keeping uh, Chuck Fletcher's job here. They may ultimately end up doing that. 
Oh, man. Jason Pumminville assisting a third point of the game. Anita Niederreiter's empty netter. Yeah, it's an empty netter, but it's another assist for Pumminville, and it just looks so classic, so cool to see Pumminville playing so well, and he's been getting so many assists of late, and he's also and he's now at 11 goals versus 4 goals when Mike Yo was fired. He was at 4 goals at that stage. Just, just think about that. Isn't that crazy? Think about it. It just boggles the mind. Can't believe it. Wow. <laughs> I, can't, I can't believe it. Or was it six? Pardon me. But still, either way, I mean, he pretty much has already doubled it in a matter in a, a very short time here. Uh, Pominville may wind up with 18 goals after all, like he had last year. It was nothing special, but it was a nice recovery after a slow start for him again last year. Remember, very familiar. So Pominville starting to be a little bit worth his contract again, which is nice to see, ultimately. Let's pass out the awards so this show doesn't drag on too long here. Mike McDonald Award is going to go to Jason Tomlinville with honorable mentions, very strong honorable mentions going to, well, you could almost say three people, but Eric Halla, absolutely. Um, over a two-week stretch, Eric Halla gets the Mike McDonough Award. The overall two weeks, he, he's the Mike McDonough, but you could have him and Charlie Coyle as honorable mentions. I didn't even throw a needer at her. I mean, all three of those guys have been playing great. All three of those young guys have been playing great, but the veteran in this case, this week, will get the Mike Modano Award. What a nice overall run for Pominville this this week, really racking up the points. He's now one of the leading scorers in the team again, which is kind of funny. Didn't think we'd ever see that again, the way he was going. I mean, he was so far down there, it wasn't even funny. James Shepard Memorial. <laughs> Can I do it again? Because, <laughs> I mean, uh, well... You know, might as well give it to Ryan Suter, ultimately. I was going to give it to Parisi. You could almost give it to both of them. You know, I'm going to give it to both of them for, well, I mean, they haven't been as much of a factor of late, and just for all the BS that they pulled here, and I hadn't been able to really go at it <laughs> since that last, since the Q&A came out. For all the BS they did, they helped really, they helped sabotage this season without really meaning to, but ultimately it did. Uh, they certainly broke a couple eggs to make an omelet, didn't they? I mean, they broke a lot of eggs here. They they tried to break a couple eggs, they ended up dropping the whole box almost here. I mean, we're talking, they dropped about five or six eggs on the floor, and there's only a couple left. We'll have to just wait and see what happens there. But um, Zach Carisi and Ryan Suter are James Shepard Memorials for this week. With that, we'll take a break, come back, and preview a couple games and do a very brief check-in on the Iowa Wild. Segment number two, preview segment, and of course we'll check in on the Iowa Wild as we wrap things up later. Pretty uneventful over there, unfortunately. In fact, so uneventful. Hmm, well, Thursday, March the 3rd, tomorrow, the Wild will head to Toronto, Ontario. Well, the Wild better win this game. <laughs> you better win this one with how well you've been playing the past couple of days here. Now, the Colorado Avalanche game was more of a crazy mess than it ended up being uh, than the score with... Uh, was, uh, well, it was a closer game than the score would indicate, is what I'm trying to say. Minnesota beat Toronto earlier in the season one to nothing. Wow. I mean, only one to nothing. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad we won the game, but geez, what the hell was that? I mean, you think the Wild could score more goals against Toronto? Who's not been very good this season? Uh, Bernier was not even a net in that game, if, if I remember correctly. That was a big frustration. 
Bernier ultimately not having a good season at all, uh, at all. Uh, seven and sixteen on the year, though of course it's the players in front of him, not not just his faults. Goals against average three point one two, save percentage only eighty nine point eight, and two shutouts on the year. Very big struggle for Bernier, who'd been pretty damn good over the course of time with the LA Kings, one of the better backups in the league. But over in Toronto, not so much. Goals against average almost it's been hovering around the three pretty much, about uh, around three goals a game pretty much since he got there. But again. Not a very good mix right now with the the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. They're 20, 30, and 10 on the season. A big struggle. Morgan Riley. I was like, huh, an- another Riley on the Toronto Maple Leafs. He has 27 points on the season. One of the better defensemen on that team, i got to say. Still pretty damn young, too, as well. Huh? Born in 1994. Got his whole career ahead of him. So they have some hope there, obviously. They traded away Dion Phaneuf, and that's probably why when you have a guy like uh, Riley developing and such. Uh, overall, nothing major special going on with this club, and the Wild really should win the game. I mean, they should. Sparks is the other goaltender, by the way. Garrett Sparks, and he was in net that night, and the Wild struggled against him. Uh, his goals against average is 2.48 with one shutout on the year. He's only 3-2 and two on the season. Pretty strong save percentage, almost 92. Uh, I don't know. Just It would be just our luck that they put Sparks in there, who's been a spark for Toronto, I suppose, if if anything, despite the fact they are riding in last place. Six points behind the Buffalo Sabres in the Atlantic Division. Things not going well for Toronto during the course of the season, and it's no huge surprise to anybody, I would have to say, even though Mike Babcock is the coach. Good for him, I suppose. He got a big amount of money, and they're, they're trying, but of course they're rebuilding now after making the playoffs not even that long ago which could drive people absolutely bleeping uh, insane at this stage. Leading scorer for the Toronto Maple Leafs is Leo Komarov right now with only 35 points. So they're worse than we are. They don't score goals and they give up a lot. So not a good situation for the Maple Leafs. Even Fanouf wasn't having that good a season. 24 points in 51 games over the course of the season. I can imagine he was a pretty unhappy camper in that locker room and he was traded on uh, on the the trade deadline on Monday, a couple of days ago, Toronto. No excuse for the Wild to lose that game. They've got to be about the worst team in the league right now. Don't be surprised, though. <laughs> Obviously, yeah, I mean, yeah, it'll be nice. They're going to probably win up with a top pick in the draft, the way things are going. And, uh, boy, that'll hopefully catapult that team for their sake. Uh, that city is awfully frustrated. It's <laughs> the popularity of the Toronto Maple Leafs in that town is unbelievable. I could imagine how, uh, just how they're been seething over the course of time. Minnesota heads to Buffalo. I gotta think this one's gonna be quite different. The Wild ultimately will beat Toronto, by the way, by a final score of three, four to one. I'm gonna go with a four to one game. That's pretty, pretty wide margin. And the Wild have been scoring goals lately. And that Toronto team, if they get more than, if they get three goals in that game, I'm gonna be very upset. Very. Uh, Saturday, March the 5th, Minnesota heads to Buffalo land. Wild, Wild should have a nice little two-game road trip here, I would hope. I would hope the Wild can pick things up and defeat this Buffalo team, even though they have all of our draft picks. Oh, and by the way, I forgot to mention that uh, a six-round pick was included uh, in the Nicholas Backstrom trade heading to Calgary. So another draft pick given up by the Wild. Big struggle for them right now. They, they, uh, they're really uh, in trouble when it comes to giving up a lot of draft picks. Over the course of time, that's another thing that I was thinking. Risebro or Risebro, uh, Mr. Fletcher could be in trouble giving up draft pick after draft pick over the course of time. He gave away two first round picks in the Matt Molson trade with Buffalo. Just think of two second round picks. Pardon me. Yeah, well, you got Cody McCormick to go along with that, and you got and you got you gave up uh, Mitchell as well. But my goodness, um, 
Tori Mitchell was his name. You got Cody McCormick too, though. Yeah, great. And you just let him go in free agency. He was a decent fourth-line center, but a fourth-line center. You gave up two second-round picks to the Buffalo Sabres for Molson and McCormick. Mm. Ugh. He gave up another second-round pick last year for Chris Stewart. He gave up a first-rounder and others, other things. <laughs> I believe a second-rounder as well for Pominville. Mm, he gave up a lot for him, too, for Pominville years before. Pominville was a, decent, was a decent player for a while there, but you gave up a lot to get him. I mean, he was pretty expensive. So, yeah, lots of draft picks thrown away by uh, Chuck Fletcher. That's another reason why the cupboards are bare. And that's what happened with Dougie, Doug Risebrow during the course of time with the <sighs> with the Wild in years past. The early days of Brave the Wild, when I ranted on and on about Doug Risebrow and how little he's done for the franchise over the course of several bleeping years. Ryan O'Reilly leading the way with the Buffalo Sabres with 49 points in 59 games. Very strong season for him. A good up-and-comer for that club. At least he's fairly up-and-comer. He was a second-round pick ultimately by the Avalanche in 2009. He's, he's been around a while, but boy, he's really developed over the course of time. Uh, he's had a solid he's had a solid career with Colorado and such, but really, really thriving with Buffalo right now. More freedom, and he's on the top line, and he's the main guy, all that. After that, there's a pretty dramatic drop-off uh, behind Jack Eckel, who had uh, 41 points on the year. And then you go down to 35, Sam Reiner with 29, you know, and such. So it's a, it's a quick drop-off. Ryan O'Reilly far and away the leading scorer and the leader of that team right now. Uh, Chad Johnson having a much stronger season with the Buffalo Sabres. There's another guy who was a backup with the uh, <laughs> he was a backup with the New York Islanders in the past, but uh, ultimately much stronger season leading the way with Buffalo right now. Goals against average and save percentage, all that good stuff. Um, he's been he's had a strong overall season. Two point five goals against average, save percentage almost ninety two. Only one shot on the year, so he's been fairly consistent. Even though Buffalo's still not very good, they've been a lot better than they were last year. Ultimately, the Wild. Remember, not that long ago, on January twelfth, played the Buffalo Sabers. This is the infamous Adam Oates game, and such. Ultimately, I'm trying to remember who was in net that night <laughs> for because I don't think it was Chad Johnson. I'm pretty sure it wasn't, and it. Was not. Yeah, that's who it was. I thought it was Allmark. He he was stopping everything, and it drove me crazy. The Wild could not get anything past it, even though they made a nice, valiant comeback. They couldn't finish the job. Terrible disappointment for all of us here in in St. Paul and Minneapolis and all that. Mm, unbelievable. Unbelievable frustration there. Yep, it was Allmark. I remember the name pretty well. And I, that's who I thought it was. I didn't want to just say it, though. Uh, ultimately, the Wild should beat this Buffalo team, though. I think there's going to be a little revenge factor here. You got to be able to beat this team, even though they're they're they they can a couple of guys can score on that team, and their goaltending is better than it's been in the past and such. Uh, it's funny how both Johan Larson and Matt Hackett haven't done jack bleep for them, though. So that's the good part. That doesn't make us look as bad as it did at the time. Oh man, man, man. Yeah, the whole the whole Matt Hackett and uh, Johan Larson trade. Mm. Remember that. That's that was another part of getting uh, Mr. Pominville. It was a pretty big trade. A lot going on there, uh, ultimately, for the Wild. And on that whole Pominville trade deal, you figure you got to give up one of your young guys uh, to, to get Pominville and such. So you, we got so many young talent and then so many young, talented guys, and ultimately the Wild came out okay in that one. Thank God for that. Uh, then we'll wrap things up with the previews. Hosting the St. Louis Blues March the 6th. This is a huge game for the Wild. The Blues... 
the Blackhawks and the uh, Dallas Stars all tied with 83 points, leading the way in the Central Division. It is a complete log jab right now in the Central Division. 83-83-83. Crazy. And in fact, they're all leading the Western Conference. You have three number one seeds in the Western Conference right now. Anaheim, though, by the way, has won eight games in a row. They are breathing down the Kings' back. I don't know if you know it down their neck, whatever the word is. I don't know how the Kings are still ahead of Anaheim at this pace. But mm, that just shows you how crazy hockey is. When you're behind, you're behind. It's hard to catch up. But Anaheim, oh boy, watch out. I just I just knew it. I just knew it. Oh, watch them win it all this year. Just watch. Don't be surprised if the Anaheim Mighty Ducks win the Stanley Cup this year. Ugh. Brian Elliott and Jake Allen in that. All the familiar names that we've gotten to know and love. And Vladimir Tarasenko, the guy you always want to bring up when you talk about the 2010 draft. The Wild had the 10th pick in the draft. Took Mikhail Granlund. St. Louis Blues had the, well, they had a little bit later pick, didn't they? A little bit later and they got bad Vlad Tarasenko with the 16th pick in the draft. 55 points in the year. 30 goal scorer already. <sighs> oh, I, I like him, Mikhail Granlin. Don't worry. I mean, he's got 33 points in the season. But I don't worry. Don't worry, Mikhail. I still like you and everything. But, jeez, 30-goal guy. Mm. Oh, and he's made it went up with 40 with this season. There, there's time for him to wind up with 40 goals in the season. Pietrangelo, one of the better defensemen out there. Bo Meester, Shatkirk, all those. Shattenkirk, pardon me, David Backus, Berglund. Oh, these are your names. Schwartz, Steen. Steve Ott, fourth line. Paul Stansny is uh, still on the roster, but he's struggled over the course of time. Uh, Ott is out on the injured reserve with a hamstring injury for quite a while. Um, well, we'll just, just wouldn't it be just like him to come back, though, and play? <laughs> Brian Elliott is out as well. Expect to see Jake Allen in, in net. Don't be surprised, even though I think Elliott's played the wild better. Um, over the court, but I don't know. Both of them have struggled against the Wild, so I may pick a victory here. Uh, both of these goalies have struggled against the Wild over the course of time. Do I have the guts to give the Wild a 3-0 and week? It'd be five wins in a row. As good as St. Louis is, the Wild have played them extremely well ever since late last season during the regular season when we started believing, you know, we might actually beat this club. Uh, February 6th was when the whole tailspin was in its Final days, final moments. 4-1 to one victory by St. Louis in St. Louis. Just an absolute ass-kicking non-factor by the Wild. And this one will be on NBC Sports Sunday night. That's pretty cool. I like that. March 6th, Sunday night. NBC Sports hosting or, uh, the game in Exo Energy Center. Very cool. Get your uh, get your NBC, uh, get your watch NBC apps running. I believe that's what it's called. Um, get it running, turn it on. and <laughs> It's not. It's Watch ESPN. It's NBC Live, I believe it is. Live NBC Sports or something, whatever it is, you get the idea. If you're uh, out in out in a boot or you're at work or something, get that app running, get on that Wi-Fi, and let's watch this game. I'm gonna pick the Wild to win the game. We tend to score goals against these these guys, man. I mean, we score, we score goals against these guys. We've had a strong season. It's been kind of a back and forth though. Ultimately, it's actually tied, even though as well as the Wild have played, other than that Saturday, February sixth. Uh, literally a month apart here, March 1st, or March 6th, February 6th. Um, it's a tied series. The Wild beat St. Louis 3-2 to way back on October 10th. And on Halloween, St. Louis haunted the wool, the Wild, part of haunted, yep, in overtime. Haunted the Wild in overtime with a victory December 31st. The Wild celebrated New Year with a 3-1 to victory on 31st. That's kind of funny, 3-1. to <laughs> And then, of course, 4-1. to So I'll pick the Wild to win the game. 
We'll go with the final score of 3-2. 3-2 victory for the Minnesota Wild over the St. Louis Blues. Most Oh yeah, and I, didn't, I need to pick the most likely guys to score. I keep screwing myself up here, ultimately. Most likely to score against the St. Louis Blues. That's going to be Mr... Should I say his name? Uh, okay, I'll go with Zach Breezy. Yeah, Zach Breezy's the most likely to score against the St. Louis Blues, even though it's probably going to be dead wrong. It'll end up being like a, like Nita Ryder or something, but uh, I'll go with that. Toronto, the most likely guy to... Oh, pardon me. Most likely guy to score against Toronto. I will go with Mr... Against Toronto, the most likely guy to score is going to be Coyle. I'm gonna, I think he's going to keep it going. 22nd goal of the year, most likely guy to score against Buffalo is Jason Pominville. He'll get his 12th goal of the season against his former club. Pominville's going to score again. And then against St. Louis, Zach Parisi. Zach Parisi will hopefully get to 20 goals here. He's been pretty quiet for a while after starting the season remarkably. It's been quite a frustrating season for Mr. Zach Parisi, but he will score He's the most likely guy to score, in my opinion, against St. Louis. So there you go. A 3-0 and week for the Wild. Five wins in a row, in my humble opinion. So let's check in on the prospects a bit here before we sign off. Whatever's left of them, right? After all the guys that have... After all the draft picks that have been traded, right? Uh, we haven't really traded any young guys, but draft picks are gone. So if, uh, right now, Alex Tuck in Boston College, before I get to Iowa, he's now at 28 points in 33 games, kicking up the pace a little bit. That's good to see. Scoring a couple points the past weekend or so, thirty-three in thirty-three games. Uh, he's already at last season's number, so he's playing a little better than last year, but not super dramatically better at this stage because it's already March, and you know pretty soon we're going to be getting into hockey's version of March Madness as well. Over in over in Iowa, like nothing. I mean, you're not seeing anything going on from any of the significant players. Uh, Grayevac was able to score another goal last week. He's now at 12 points on the season in 28 games with the uh, Iowa Wild. That's about it, though. Sutter, of course, traded away. Olofsson hasn't scored since uh, Torchetti left. That sucks. Karen is obviously gone. Uh, Mitchell and uh, I believe Zach Mitchell scored a, uh, another goal in the past week, or two, two goals in the past week, so that's good. He's the leading scorer for that team, but he's a career minor leaguer, ultimately. Uh, Steve McCulloch has been up with the Iowa Wild since uh, moving up from the Quad City Mallards, because, you know, that's like the further down uh, minor league affiliate for the Wild. He's actually been pretty good in only six games. His goals against average 2.01, very strong for the former sixth-round pick of the Minnesota Wild. Not former, but yeah, he's the sixth overall pick, sixth-round pick, in the 2011 draft, Steve McCulloch. You never know. Could could be another Kemper. You never know how Kemper kind of came up. Not bad. Uh, maybe he's the guy that actually replaces Kemper, ultimately. That's the one thing. Um, very, very strong. He's been very good. The Iowa Wild have been more defensive-minded since Torchetti left, it appears. <laughs> the scoring has really gotten quiet over the course of time, and Olofsson hasn't netted a single point. And he was on quite a tear. In, in Torchetti's last month or so on the job in Iowa. Hmm. They they miss him down there, and that, maybe he'll end up back there again. He'll certainly be a candidate for the wild job when they start interviewing, but to be fair to the fan base, I agree with uh, the local shows here in town that have been saying this. To be fair to the fan base, you got to interview more people than just Torchetti. That, this, this is Michael Russo that said that. As good as Torchetti, uh, a good a job as he's done, you gotta, you got to interview the best possible candidates. And if Torchetti goes back to Iowa, it could be a lot worse, and I'm sure he'd be okay with it. He did a hell of a job down there. They were getting a lot better. Um, but really impressed with Steve McCulloch, the sixth-round pick. So basically, sixth-round picks kind of leading the way for the Wild. 
<laughs> seventh round pick in Grayabach, even though he's been pretty quiet since that injury way back at the beginning of the season. Mm-mm-mm. Schrader, of course, a first round pick of Vancouver years ago, one of the top guys down there, but he'd been on the Minnesota Wild for a while. Uh, Jared Knight still at seven points on the season, so he was at six for a while. He's at seven. You get the idea. We'll leave that alone. It is what it is. Really, the, the highlight guy in the minor leagues right now is McCulloch. Without a doubt, Steve McCulloch. Steve McCulloch, ultimately down there. Pardon me. So we'll wrap things up here. I want to thank you so much for listening. For those of you that like this show, please post a positive rating on iTunes, whether you're from Canada, the United States, Australia, wherever it is. And I want to thank uh, Vince Germano a while ago who did post a positive review on here in the Australia section. Thank you so very much. Of course, you have to click <laughs> I have to click on the Australia section to, to view it. So I basically leave the United States to go there. It's kind of weird how they do that. They should just show it for everybody and have it say parentheses Australia or parentheses USA, parentheses Japan, you know, stuff like that. I don't know why they don't do it that way. It's kind of mean. Kind of mean. Do we have to be so isolated? Come on, right? <laughs> it's I to it. That doesn't make any sense. Kind of silly. Um, but with that, we will wrap things up here. Thank you again. Please do write a positive rating on iTunes or Stitcher, whichever you use. Please tell your friends about the show. Thank you very much for those of you that have been retweeting and have been sharing on Facebook. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. And welcome aboard to those of you who've been signing up for the Facebook page. It is uh, facebook.com forward slash bravethewild.minnesota. Facebook.com forward slash bravethewild.minnesota. And, of course, for Twitter, at bravethewild. I should actually... Uh, yeah, I, I had some Twitters on there. A couple of tweets on there. I forgot. I better get to that really quick. I actually had a couple of tweets during the trade deadline here. Might as well get to that. Because I think he, he must be a listener if he tweeted Brave the Wild. <laughs> so, I apologize. i got to give you a little bit of airtime here. Hope he didn't give up on me yet. Yeah, if you are a listener, I think he might be. I hope so. Would be great. Would be great if the thing would load too. And here it is. It is from Shane Palmquist, at Shane Palmquist on Twitter. He says, I never thought this day would come. Some NHL team was dumb enough to trade for Backstrom. There is a God. Hashtag wild. And then he, yep, he messaged me. Thank you very much, Paul Palmer. Uh, Shane Palmquist. And he continues to say, uh, how's it go? You got to make an omelet. With, you can't make an omelet without breaking some egg deuces. <laughs> Don't let the door hit you. That's funny. Oh, because what did I respond with? I was saying, indeed, there is. I love it. I wish we didn't give up any draft picks, though, because there was a sixth-round pick. And I was saying how there were so many draft picks squandered over the last couple of years that Fletcher might be done. And it's possible, even though some of the younger guys are playing better. Maybe it's just a sugar high. We'll just have to wait and see with that one. Thank you very much to those of you that have followed and those of you that have uh, liked the Facebook page and joined it and such. Don't be afraid to comment. Really could use that. Would be greatly appreciated. And there is a phone line. It is 209-736-7877. 209-736-7877. It is a voicemail. Do treat it as such. Mention you're calling it for Brave the Wild. And please leave your name. <laughs> Tell me your name on there and, wh- and where you're from. And comment away. Brave the Wild, baby. Brave the Wild. Those of you out there that might be from another country that don't want to have to call that line, well, we live in the day and age of smartphones, so there are free sound recorders on each and every smartphone out there. I mean, it's easy as pie to do. Just uh, load it up and record <laughs> a audio submission for about a minute or so, and then email me at palad- email it to me at paladinolive at yahoo.com. Paladinolive at yahoo.com. Thank you again very much. Hoping the Wild continue this streak, and I have it predicted. A 3-0 record this week. Hope it's legit, and the Wild make a nice run here. 
Until next week, take care, everybody. 